Hi, and welcome to Purpose to Perform. I am Dr. Jo Brown, APA-titled sports and exercise physiotherapist, mentor, and coach. And this is a new podcast dedicated to high performance for anyone who's up for it. Driven by purpose, join me as we dive deep and explore what it takes to be a high performer, integrate and assimilate cutting-edge evidence, learn from experienced experts in all aspects of high performance and ultimately inspire your journey into performance. Whether you are an athlete, coach or allied health professional, this podcast is for you. Welcome to my world. Welcome to Purpose to Perform. Let's do this. I'm Dr. Joe Brown, sports physiotherapist and performance coach. And today I'm chatting with Jake Packard, Olympian, swimmer and around great guy. Known Jake for a super long time. I believe Jake was maybe 11 when we first met. How old are you now, Jake? 26. That's a long time. <laughs> I think I'm 26. No. <laughs> so welcome, Jake. Welcome to Purpose to Perform. Long time having a chat and um, great to have you on the show. No, thank you very much. It's uh, apparently on the Christmas edition. So no, it's good to be back and doing, we well, haven't done something like this in a long time. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's something a little bit unusual, but yeah, it's good to talk to a good friend. And I thought it was quite fitting, Jake, that, you know, this is a Christmas edition that I have, you know, someone that I pretty much consider family. I've been putting you back together for 14 years. So I think um, your well, family... I'd be broken apart if I wasn't, if you went around on the sunny <laughs> Humpty, Humpty Dumpty. That's it. Yeah. The so, thing, people think swimmers don't get injuries, right? No, nah, not at all. Just, uh, just a couple of thousand... Uh, rotations of the shoulder per training sessions uh i think yeah that probably do it <laughs> <laughs> well I, I see the results of it so it definitely does do that yeah i'm hoping to get more results from it so, so i'm still doing it but yeah it's uh it's a long journey but yeah, we'll talk about it a bit more later i guess i met you many years ago like we said on the sunny coast and you grew up in noosa swimming in noosa i'd love to chat to you about like obviously you've been successful being an olympian and you know being an olympic medalist and to get from being the guy growing up in noosa small town on the sunshine coast to making it to that olympic stage it's a long journey and a lot of people don't always take that next step from their local school pool to actually you know making it to the bigger ranks and things like the olympics so just love to chat to you about what was going on for you when you made that decision to leave your hometown and move to Brisbane to train and how that changed the course of your career, really. Yeah, I guess uh, it's a long journey, start and end. Hopefully yep. that will still be a couple more years, but yeah. You're not done yet? Not done yet, yeah, which is <laughs> Another good. Olympics in you, maybe? Possible, you know. They actually, funnily enough, they've got medals, yeah. But you can actually pull apart. Oh, these are Tokyo ones, yeah? No, Paris. Paris. So you so, can actually oh, yeah. give people who actually... So you're still gonna, I'm still going to be putting you together in another five years? Yeah, oh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to stay on the sunshine coast. All right, I got it. So, yeah, I guess um, being a local, you know, Noosa boy, there wasn't really much here. Um, I guess for starters, you know, I grew up, and the reason why I got into swimming was just because we were always around the water, Noosa being such an amazing place, being close to the beach. I guess my sister and my parents, I guess, wanted me to do something like that, to get in the water, be water safe. And it sort of just happened from there. And the thing is, is that I started to swim and 
there was a, a really good coach at the time, Barry Prime. He thought that I had a, a bit of potential and he sort of got me in the water, I guess, a few more sessions than I'd like <laughs> because, yeah, it's a, it's a hard sport. So, you know, I started doing that and, yeah, it sort of got to a, a bit of a, a breaking point where Noosa reaches its capacity and there was not, not nothing on the Sunshine Coast that was here to improve sport. Uh, in the level that it is now so the only real option was to head to a, a major city you know mm-hmm. being brisbane sydney you know uh, melbourne that was always i was always a family person and mm. i guess those reasons that i'll explain later mm. um sort of pushed me outside of my comfort zone to actually take that leap of having a dream and um getting to where i am today so yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster, but everyone has a story. And you know, making the Rio team, mm. you listen to everyone and having their stories is it's pretty incredible what people you know sacrifice and go through just to to make that journey. And I think that's such an important comment of what people sacrifice. And I think so many people don't see what actually goes on behind the scenes of sport, and especially elite sport. And to you know, even make an Olympic team, never mind an Olympic final or medal. There's so much sacrifice and so much that people have to give up and, you know, whether it's parents giving up stuff or social life or boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, it's, it's a big commitment. Yeah, and that's, and that's what we try and go through um, our sporting career is having a good team around us. And I think that's the biggest thing that people probably don't understand is that if you associate yourself with the right people that can guide you in the right direction and have that, I guess, um, support team, um, it makes such a difference to get where you want to go. And it's at the end of the day, it's not just me that's trying to get to mm. my end goal. It's people around me to help me get there. And like, and I've spoken to so many athletes on the course of this podcast and through my career and they all, you know, when you actually get down and have a proper conversation, will tell you there's always a team behind every great performance. And yeah, exactly that's what right. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has their little network that they've got and once they figure that out and it works for them, they'll probably stick with that for the rest of their sporting career because, you know, once they get results, they won't want to leave, you know, athletes being so, I guess, particular in what they do day in, day out, they don't want to change anything. And uh, yeah, it really does help. And I think, you know, relationships are so important. You touched on this and I spoke to someone not so long ago on the podcast who was a Paralympic skier, blind Paralympic skier. And so she had to trust someone to guide her down the mountain 100Ks now, like crazy. The support and the team to do something like that is absolutely crazy. But to, you know, get up every morning at crazy o'clock to go swimming. Not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed since it's changed I swam. I think no they train at like 6.30. 6.30. Yeah, it's middle of, the, middle of the day for swimming. <laughs> Going back, you mentioned something just before about, you know, when you were making that decision to leave and go to Brisbane and there was some other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to share with us a little yeah. bit what was going on? Because I know that's your story and a lot of people don't really know no, your story. I, yeah, it's, it's and, not something that I yeah will we'll talk about to you. I guess your average Joe. Um, <laughs> <Piece of laughs> yeah. It's probably, I've kept them to, close to my chest and mm. only the important people, I guess, know that story. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't see myself as anyone special. I just had a dream to 
I guess it wasn't even really a dream. I just sort of fell into the sport mm. and, you know, I realised that I'm actually all right at it. And, you know, it's just about working hard, being dedicated and sacrificing a lot of things to get where you want to go. Yeah, everyone goes through his up and ups and downs through the sport. And I think it got to a point where it was like 16, 17, that I was realising that I wasn't really improving. I had that injury mm-hmm. um, of the skateboard. Um, By the way, swimmers and skateboarders shouldn't mix. I mean, swimmers and skateboards. Yeah, yeah just stay in the water. Yeah, stay in the water, <laughs> yeah. way safer. Yeah, we're soft. But, yeah, it got to a point where, like, the times, it, like, my training wasn't reflecting how I was performing and I knew that something wasn't adding up to, mm-hmm. to those performances. So it got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'll try something through the study. When I was back at school, I decided to do 11 and 12, grade 11 and 12 over three years. Mm. So I'd only do four subjects per year instead of six. And that made a difference. My grades improved. My swimming was getting a little bit better. And then once I finished school, you know, it got to a point where that I sort of plateaued a little bit and everyone has that plateau, but it's just whether you have um, the dedication to get past that because, you know, your body's developing, you know, Mm -hmm. you're still a junior. It is so much longer in the sport to try and, you know, get past that point. And once you do, you know, you see the rewards. Yeah, it got to a point where, you know, my dad, wasn't very supportive because he thought that he was wasting his money mm-hmm. for no result. And it got so That's stressful on me that the fact that I was losing interest, like every time that I was getting up on the mm-hmm. block, I was more swimming for him in the fear. Wow. The fact that I had to swim quick. So I knew that I wouldn't have to go home and get sort of attacked for swimming slow. Wow. Look at us now. Like since I moved out of home, you know, we've formed a, a great relationship yeah. and it, it takes time to, I guess, mend those relationships with parents. But like I wouldn't be here without them because they got me into the sport and, you know, they sacrificed their time, their weekends. And, you know, I still appreciate all of that. But, you know, I think parents do put a lot of pressure on their kids to do so well at such a young age, but it pushes a lot of kids out of the sport. Mm -hmm. And I can see it like now they're just so, you know, they're so hungry for their kids to be successful. But I just think at the end of the day, going through their junior careers, I think that they should be, you know, supported in any way that they can have fun, whether it be swimming or any other sport. Finding the balance early. That's exactly right. And I think at the end of the day, they got into the sport, you know, to have fun and seeing where they can push their limits and, you know, how, how good they can be. But, yeah, so that was sort of a tough time and I still remember the session that I just wanted to give up and I was with Brian Steer. He always believed in me, a great junior coach. You know, he's, he's had, yeah, great guy. you know, Nick Darcy, Britt Elmsley, yeah. you know, um, and the list keeps on coming on the Sunshine Coast. And, you know, he always thought that I would make an Australian team and I just... I was at that point, it was like, oh, am I really going to make it? Am I not? Tell us about, because I can hear, like, there's obviously something in your mindset had to change at some point, right? In regards to? So to believe in yourself that you could make that Australian team or did you just make a decision to go for it? I guess there was a few little 
pointers mm. of different people to steer me in that direction. Excuse the pun, Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, not intentional. <laughs> yes, yeah, for starters, Brian always believed in me. Um, he was so important to have a coach believe. Yeah, in he sort of just said, "Don't give up." You know, if you're going to do it, try and go somewhere else. And I think at that point, I think I was in such a low that I was like, no, I'm done. Mm. I remember hopping in the water and I swam 100 metres and normally we swim 5, 6K and I just topped out. I was like, I'm done. Didn't want to, didn't want to yeah. be there. And I remember Julie Robinson at the time, I went over to her place awesome and said, you know, she does a bit of mind training and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I just needed to sit down and have a chat to her and she just, went over a few things and she said, what do you want to do in life? You know, what, what do you think the best outcome is? And she put in an analogy like having your cups for each, I guess, part of your life. Part of your life. And so you got your, your, your friends, you got your family, your girlfriend, you know, and it goes on. And if you keep filling those cups up, something's going to explode. Yeah. And for me, that relationship with my dad was getting pushed to, Overflow. Overflow, or it already had been because I think there was one point where I actually moved out of home for two weeks because I couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm. And then, um, you know, I was working with Tiana's parents. I was working 40 hours a week training, and I think that was another overload that I just couldn't keep doing the same thing over and over again. My body just couldn't handle it. And so I just decided that I needed to either stop or... Change the environment. Change the environment. And yeah. I think at that point I was like, oh, like I was family. I always wanted to stay in Noosa. Why would I ever move to Brisbane? Like, you know, I didn't think it was ever an option. And then I stopped for a couple of weeks and then I got a message from a good friend now who I actually swam with when I was 12, went yeah. over. I don't even remember the Wide Bay Championships that oh we went gosh. over to New Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, my God, I remember so, that. Yeah. Julian Layton, if he's ever listening, <laughs> um, he swims for Kwana now and he pretty much brought me back into the sport and said, give Chris Mooney, who is my coach now, give him a shot. Awesome. And he had Taylor McEwen and then she, you know, in 2012, 2013, she got third Miss Olympic team, but she swam a huge PB. So she didn't, yeah. you know, she didn't care as you are when you're a young kid. Yep, PB's a PB. PB's a PB. And as you get older, they, <laughs> they get longer in a between. Bit, a bit between. <laughs> that sort of sparked an interest into getting back into the water. So I had a meeting with Chris. Uh, we met at the coffee club at Cotton Tree. And he asked what I wanted to do. And I'd never really been asked that question because... Usually people were telling me you're going to make an Australian team. And then when someone put that back onto me, I was like, oh, like what? So powerful. Yeah. What am I actually wanting to achieve? And I think that really hit home the fact that I actually still wanted to swim. I didn't want to just give it up. I, you know, I spent so nine, many hours. Yeah. Eight, nine years at that time, not wasting, but like, I guess, developing into the person that I was and realizing that, yeah, this could be something, you know, so I worked to in the back of my mind to actually, I guess, give myself an opportunity if I were to move to Brisbane that I could support myself. I think it was like two weeks later, my parents were like, Oh, just think on it. And I was just like, I'm moving. So I already had lined up 
place in Brisbane, ready to train in two weeks. And they didn't understand why I wanted to move so quick. But at the end of the day, I needed to step aside of my environment, I guess, do it for myself, not for my parents, because I know my dad really wanted me to do well, but he was saying, what's the point if you're not swimming quick? And that's the hugest message is doing it for yourself. And I always ask athletes, when I coach athletes, it's like, why do you do what you do? Yeah. And And you've got to know that why and stay connected to it. Yeah, because you can lose sight of it pretty quick. You know, there's always going to be someone else next to you at the in the pool or something like that that's going to want it more than what you do. Yeah. And as you get older, you can see that, like, once the younger kids get a taste for it, <laughs> it's... Uh, and it, they want it more than you? Yeah. Well, they could want it more than it. you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you always got to be on top of your game. And then, yeah, two weeks later, I just decided that, yeah, this is really happening. And he and Chris really put it, put it on the table that he's like, you've just got to commit to the program. Yeah. It's like one of the requirements also was either to work or to go to uni. So you're not solely focused on swimming. Another really important. And so at that time, there was nothing really I wanted to do on the sunny coast. And that was another reason to push me to go to the sunny coast. But not only that, my girlfriend, Tiana, who I'm still with now, was down there and she moved for water polo and also to study. So I was doing long distance in between that for a year and a half before I made that decision to move to Brisbane and, you know, within the first year of being with him, you know, I still wasn't committed to the program, but as soon as I was getting some sort of results, different training environment, I was like, Oh my God, this is actually working. And, you know, within a year I dropped four seconds of my time, narrowly missing the 2014 Commonwealth games team. But then as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. I've just, dropped, I've, just dropped, yeah, I've just dropped four seconds. And then I got put on an Australian A team, which is the tier below the Australian team. And we got to go to swim at LA. And if I swam well there, you know, then it would have been, you know, who knows what could have happened. But at that time, the results that I produced at that invitational meet over in LA, that actually, it just happened coincidentally that Christian Springer, got injured and because I was second to him and produced a really good time that that granted me to fill his position at the Pampax in 2014. So that was your first Australian team? Yeah, so that got my little taste of you know, the Australian team. So normally because they go through the whole induction and everything like that, but there was only one new inductee and that was me. And I was like, <laughs> So you missed out? Yeah, so like I – so we have our gold cap – presentation and everyone gets like their gold cap and presented and anything like that but everyone had already been inducted and I was the only one and I was like oh my god this is so nervous <laughs> <laughs> but now I look back at it now and it's like you see all Pretty the rookies that moment. come in yeah it's a very special moment and you know being at a home on the Gold Coast you know nothing compares yeah. um, to a home competition yeah so cool there's probably a little bit more to it in between but like we're going to have to find out now. <laughs> so, and I guess, like, from someone who's obviously been involved and be a part of your career for a long time and, you know, outside looking in from someone that when you are in Brisbane didn't wasn't seeing you all the time like I am now, mm. now that you're back on the sunny coast, but 
like you seem to progress really quickly and you kind of went from moving to Brisbane next minute, you're going to the Rio Olympics mm. outside looking in. Like it did seem like a fast progression from bringing a junior that was going to give up to yeah. making the Rio team. And I think when I moved to Chris, I never thought 2016 would have been, yeah. I thought that was like two years. I'm going to need more time than two years. But because I transitioned and had a few senior comps under my belt, just nationally that I had that ex- like I had that expectation of what it was like to compete at that level yeah. and then you know going straight into it, it was it wasn't so overwhelming and in yeah your so face. you probably held your own a bit more yeah so it was a really space. good yeah really good opportunity to to be a part of but yeah it all started back in Noosa when we were 11 hey <laughs> <laughs> what a journey what a journey is yeah so and I guess, like, what I think is really interesting now, so obviously you went to Rio Olympics, you medaled at Rio in the relay, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. flavour was it again? Bronze? Yeah, bronze. Yeah. Oh, I do remember wearing it around my neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bit dented um, now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what uh, these Olympians do with their Olympic medals. Yeah. Anyway, Nothing. so... <laughs> it sits in the drawer. <laughs> it sits in the drawer. Yeah. But I guess what I see now is you were that you were that hunter, you know, your Christian Springer and Brenton Rickard when you were like coming through the ranks of the breaststroker were kind of out there on the world stage doing really yeah. well and you were kind of like hunting them down, trying to get to their times and all those kind of things. And I know now you've been that number one breaststroker in Australia and there's some other young guys coming through kind of, yeah. you know, ankle biting you. And yeah. how does it feel like going from being that hunter to the hunted in a way? Sucks. it sucks no just because i know the potential that's coming through with yeah i know the potential that's coming through with the development of the younger kids and it's just like as a junior you know you you look at all the records and you go through them and you're like oh that'd be nice to get there and stuff like that and then you see these younger kids 13 14 breaking the australian records every year so you had matt wilson break every Australian record known in all of these events. And then you got Zach Stubbley just one year behind him doing the same thing and they're just getting quicker and quicker. <laughs> You're like, oh, go on. Yeah. And then to realise, you know, that's that's your competition now because, you know, going into next year, I'll be 27. And when I went to Rio, I was 21, 22. And that's how they're going to be. So they're yeah. going to be ready to... Fire and all cylinders. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got a few other guys from Melbourne, you know, doing really well. And, um, yeah, it does keep you on your toes. But keeps how, you fresh how I saw it when I was going through, I guess, as how I talk to it about now being hunted. So I was hunting Springer and um, Rickard that I would do training and I would have his times down of what his standards were. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, at the end of a session, I'd be like, oh, is that what would Christian do? Would, would Christian do that? And it'd always be in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, would he do this 100? Or would he do only a 50? Or And I'd try yeah. and put it in my mind to do one better. Yeah. Because in the rest of the world, there's always going to be someone doing better. But it's just trying to do it the best of your ability. To see now what those younger kids are doing, you know, I know Matt, he trains pretty hard, but I believe that I know that I can train harder than him. And then mm-hmm. Zach is just on another level, like aerobically. Yeah. But with my speed and 
muscle mass. I feel like that when I get a good taper in that I have that enough speed to get out and actually come and, home. Yeah. And I so, guess the other thing you've got is that experience, right? Yeah. And on the bigger stage and some of those young guys haven't had yeah. that experience and, you know, been around elite sport for a really long time and been a lot of big events. And what I've seen is, you know, sometimes the younger guys are pumping through in at trials and stuff. They might come through and do really good times, but you get to the Olympics yeah. and, you know, they just can't perform on that really big stage because they've never been there. So yeah, I think potentially that's in your favor, right? Potential. I'll still get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like nothing will compare to trialing out for Rio Olympics to try and actually qualify. That will top anything of how nervous I have been. Really? Yeah, just because like you train so hard and like you Brenton so Brenton gave us a really good story is that sport doesn't owe you anything and it's all about dedication, being passionate, being dedicated into everything that you're doing. And, you know, he was the Australian record holder, been under the qualifying time multiple times, gets to his first Olympic trials gets fourth doesn't qualify and so he had to wait another four years yeah wow to to redeem himself and you weren't going to do that i didn't want to do that like mum can even t- like i remember calling her and i was like born wiser just like oh. i don't want to waste this opportunity because it will eat you up because you don't want to have to wait another four years and you might not get another four years and that's the hard thing with swimming being, you know, oh, so, cutthroat. Such a, so cutthroat, but also in Australia, but it's also being that Olympic sport, like the pinnacle mm. if swimming is the Olympics, you, you know, world champs is world champs, but the Olympics is always the pinnacle. Whereas some other sports, they have, you know, these other pinnacles. You can't prepare the four for years. And, and then COVID happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably a good thing. <laughs> Like I say, for some, it was a gift of the time. For others, it's time they didn't have. That's it. When Chris always said, when I qualified, he goes, are you relieved or are you happy? And I said, I was relieved. And he's like, we need to change your attitude to be happy because you're not actually living in the moment because you're too worried about focusing about something else. Yeah. And Super great advice. Yeah. And, you know, that's always stuck with me is like just live in everything that you're doing because... Everyone talks about it. It goes so quick, your sporting career, that you just got to try and live it up. Like, Enjoy every moment. I remember going to Rio and I think I've got three photos from Rio because I just wanted to be amongst it and actually yeah. remember everything that I was doing. And have memories that yeah. you actually feel, not yeah. memories that you took a photo of. Yeah, and it's just funny, like, when you run into teammates and we talk about the gold medals and, you know, the partying, <laughs> but yeah, just all the memories that you go through is just like you will cherish that. And you mentioned before, like sport is such a roller coaster, right? Like mm. we all know it's the highs and the lows. And I think anyone that's an elite athlete actually thrives off those highs and lows. Like those peaks and troughs is what keeps you going. Like you actually, yeah. you know, you and not bounce and, off the bottom moments. Yeah. You know, when you have it. And it's only experience that can help you get through those. And I'm glad that, you know, I've gone through a few ups and downs to realise that maybe, hey, you might be slacking off in some areas or, you know, things are out of your control and you just got to let it happen. So, yeah. um, And for most athletes, you know, there's always injury plays a role in, pe- in people's career. And being a yeah. physio kind of interests me, obviously, and I've yeah. been quite involved in the <laughs> injuries in your career. Just a little bit. 
how is it, I guess, how do you, like you look back like from when you first started swimming to now and how has injury impacted your career? What would, you, would be your advice for other athletes, I guess, dealing with injury? Because, and I'm not saying like obviously have a great physio, helps a lot, but, yeah. um, but also like your mindset around injury because I think that's really important because so many athletes get injured and they, they don't make it back. And I think a lot of it is that mental capacity to keep going with the rehab and keep focused. And I know you've been through a bit recently as well. So Yeah, like I haven't been majorly injured. I think it's just little niggles here and there that have made me aware of, okay, that Chris would always say that, you know, it's all about hidden training. So, you know, we rock up to the pool, we train, and then we go home but it's everything in between Every else, that everything else you no do. one else really sees. And that's like, we have like a, a regime 30 minutes before we hop in that we've got so much band work, everything that's injury prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I wish that I did more of, more of as and a young, appreciate yeah. And appreciate. That. I'm pretty sure we had the conversation. It just didn't get done, Jay. Yeah. So if your physio, is, <laughs> if your physio is telling you to do something, do it. Yeah, because... that's the question. Listen <laughs> to your physio. Yeah, because you know I. So my left shoulder was probably the worst, um, and ever since doing a lot of band work, it's probably been the best it's ever been, and you know that's just improved my strength, my flexibility you know, my range of motion and, and that's just going to help in the water with stroke. Yeah. It is a roller coaster, and you, it's always going to be something that's going to happen within sport because you're not just going to go through your sporting career injury-free. There's always nine times out of ten that something's going to happen. And the biggest thing is when you do get injured is that's not the be and an end all. You've got to take it day by day, week by week. And then once you see the results starting to get back, it's like actually, you know, I did my wrist and that was actually, I was going through a bit of a rough time and I was like, I'm actually hoping it's broken. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, it's like I needed a mental refresh to actually step away from it and then work on what I needed to do. And then actually I was actually hungry to get back in the water again. Yeah. And I, I, like I see that so often and how amazing when athletes are, you know, getting burnt out, you know, mentally and emotionally and then they get injured. And it's like sometimes injury can be a godsend that you didn't, didn't realize it was, you know, because yeah. you just trying like you say to reset, reset your goals, get to really get really clear on your body and really mm. know your body. And I just had a guy recently today and I said this to him, he did a really, really bad ankle sprain and he's back now training and, he was just like, oh, my gosh, like, you were so right. It was, like, the kick in the butt I needed to, like, sit back yeah. and appreciate what I've been doing and reset everything. And now he's, it's funny you like, know, doing PBs again. Yeah, so. it's funny because, like, we're in this bubble of, like, I guess sport, but, like, for us is just swimming. But as soon as you step back from it, the rest of the population don't really care about swimming. That's where you've got to realise is that, yeah, you've got to do it for fun and you do it because you love it. And I think you're always going to be thinking there's like, like you say, there's life after sport. And I think, you know, most elite athletes I know go on to do great things mm. in life post. Because they make the most of it. Post, yeah, both post their career. But I think there's certain things that, you know, sport teaches you or you evolve and strengths you evolve through swimming. And I guess I'd love to ask you what you think your like three strengths are that swimming's taught you or sport's taught you. 
and you might go clunk clunk for a while, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely not being clean. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask Yana about yeah, well, I have a list. <laughs> well, you mentioned determination before. I guess that's one. Yeah, I think um, I guess being dedicated. You know, when I get fixated on something, I'll go hard on it. And yeah, and I really sell myself to whatever I'm doing. Apply um, yeah, really sure. I'll give you dedication and focus. Yeah, and I know that like Chris always talks to me about sometimes you be, can be too focused in some things that you do because sometimes as athletes we overanalyze things. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned from experience and just you've got to go through experience to realise is that, you know, just step back and just, you know, just take it one step at a time. Just keep it simple. Everyone goes by that. You know, if you think about too many things in a race or in training, things just go out the window and then you start freaking out. But then those experiences actually help you to, you know, get your mindset right. And, you know, as if we were swimming a hundred, it's just like, just worry about your hands. Yeah. And then just keep that flow, keep that flow. And then coming home, it's like, use your legs, use your legs. Yeah, rather than just being like, just muscle it and trying to get to the end. Yeah, and I love analogy that life's like a chest of drawers. Mm. And like when you're doing sport, you can only have the sport drawer open, like have every other drawer clean and tidy and closed off and you just open that one drawer. Yeah. And, and you deal with that one drawer. It's crazy because swimming... As soon as I go to the pool, I forget about everything else. And I think that's, yeah, it's just like, especially when I was younger and having stuff thrown at me at home and, you know, I'd get to training and I'd forget about it because I'm just like, oh, here to train. And then you get home and you're like, like, you forget forget what reality is. But the best athletes in the world and, you know, you know, I work with some of the Jamaican sprinters and things, and they're just so amazing at that. Like, they mm. are great. They are like, woohoo, having a boogie, and yeah. they're on. But as like, soon as switch, like, yeah. like you get to the track and it's warm up, it's on, yeah. it's on. But until that moment, they can just be hanging out with their mates. And, it's, and that's yeah. what you need is like to have that balance, but to know, yeah, you can have fun in training, but when the serious stuff needs to happen, you need to be ready to perform. Yeah. Otherwise, you know. Why are you doing it? Exactly. Yeah. You've got to know the why. Yeah, always. It's always. 100% connected to the why. 100% of the time. Why are time. we doing it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to finish with five quick questions. All right. It's just the first thing that comes into your brain. Are we good? We can try. Okay. So biggest inspiration. My biggest inspiration is probably my sister. Just the fact that she got me into the sport, but then also... She's in the Navy, so she just decided I'm going to up and leave. I guess her situation is probably the same as me. She was swimming, mm-hmm. you know, having a hard time at home that she didn't want to be at home. And just the fact that she had the courage just to be like, I'm, I'm going, going to join the Navy. Didn't think that she would ever awesome. do that. And then she was like, yeah, I've signed up for four years. I was like, wow. Like, you know, it's crazy to think that mum always says that we both represent our country in different things. And like, the water though, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. But yeah, and it's crazy because if she wasn't doing her job today, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. It's making me a little <laughs> emotional, Jake. Uh, favourite training? 
So like, no cool. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. COVID. <laughs> no, Pull shut. Pull uh, shut. You know, training is actually. You love it really. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when you know that you're doing like pre-season and all that, there is no pre-season by the way. <laughs> When you do some sort of pre-season, you know that you're, you can feel yourself getting fit and you're like, okay, yeah. well, where is this going to lead to? And, and it's an ex- exciting feeling when you feel your body changing. Yeah, and to know that like sometimes you swim your best in season and you're like, okay, well, what's, what can I do next in training to benefit myself? Just better yourself. Once you see results in training, you're like, okay, this must be good. So, All right. What is a little voice in your head? And you're probably going to say you don't have one, but everyone does. Say to you, firstly, on a hard training day. Um, pain is just only leaving the body. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Chris always says. Pain's good. Pain's good. Nice. Yeah. Like it. What does it say to you on a comp day? I think experience has led me to where I don't have like such a specific word. Mm-hmm. It's just autopilot. Yeah. So like I wake up, do the you same know what thing, works. go to the pool exactly however long before I get into warm up. It's the same thing that if you teach yourself before a major competition, mm-hmm. once that major competition starts, it should just flow naturally. And I think that's the biggest experience that I've learned over time is that if you get everything right before competition starts, it should just be smooth sailing. Yeah. By the time you stand up behind the blocks, all the work's done, really. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just going to finish. Yeah. It's, it happens so quick that you, most of my races that are, you know, either a PB or a really good swim, I don't know about because it's just happened so quick. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? And it's you a lot of people that things will, that go wrong, not, not what you did when it goes right. Yeah. And that's what Chris always says is try and cherish those moments. Awesome. But you do lo- learn a lot more about your mistakes than winning because but in you to learn from them right as well yeah exactly and that's what you know we've got our science and um that whole department we've got so much more information these days yeah yeah it's and just I, like and i think it's probably part of why those young guys are coming through like because they've had that knowledge right and the way from the start yeah and that yeah because like i came to chris you know what's your stroke right what's your stroke and i was like i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I just swim. Whereas they grow up knowing all that stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just a requirement. Yeah. And like you see some of the younger guys joining our squad and they might not know. And he goes, why don't you know? Why haven't you got that information from your own institute or anything like that? Yeah. Moving into a high performance program. And yeah, you definitely learn a lot more as, yeah, being younger now than what we, and it's more accessible. Yeah, and I think well, everything's more accessible in terms mm. of high performance, really. Well, Noosa being a regional town, like, we didn't really get much support whatsoever. No, no. But because, you know, it's developed so much that, you know, there's some pretty big hubs, yeah. you know, along the coast that people don't need to leave. They can stay here and actually... Well, there's, and there's people moving here now to yeah. turn, right? So yeah, I know. Go on coast. I know. So final question. This is the Purpose to Perform podcast. Oh, so. Yeah. What is performance to you? Performance to me is getting the best out of yourself. So it's funny, you know, you play rugby, you know, you've got to score tries. Time is everything in this world. And I think performing to get the best out of yourself 
just to be 0.1 quicker to know that you've swam your lifetime best and everything revolves around time is how I perceive my performances. So to know that, you know, you've done something that you've never done before is like breaking new territory. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting. It's enough for you to stay connected to the why. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely puts you in a new place when, you know, you're not doing the right things and makes you realize why you're actually doing it. So yeah, it's a, so it is a roller coaster and you know it. (laughs) I know it. I've (laughs) ridden that roller coaster. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jake, for coming on the show. It's been great chatting and um, hopefully some of my listeners out there have had a bit of a laugh with us along the way and learned some gold nuggets. Episode two next year. Yeah. When we make the team. When he makes the team for Tokyo, when the Olympics happen, we're crossing our fingers right now. Um, We'll have another chat. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jake. Before I go, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to a podcast and give it a rating. That way you won't miss out on the next episode. If you have feedback or an idea for our podcast, you can contact us at purpose, the number two, perform on Insta or Facebook or email purpose, the number two, perform at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, performance is not a passive experience. This podcast is produced by the Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Thanks for listening.